Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. And hello, Mike. How are you, sir? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Not too much. We're here amongst the gods for another recording. Oh, yeah. We're uh, we're going back to God Town. Yeah, the Greek gods. We've been in this town before, Mike, and we're returning for God of War 2. Yeah, God of War 2. 2007, two years yeah. after the, sequ- the prequel well, to this game, which we talked about some episodes ago, Mike, we're, this is number 126, so it's been a little bit of time. Yeah, I don't even remember when we talked about the original God of War, but it's been a bit. And this game is really good. I mean, God of War 2 on PS2 is just, it's just a it's a really great game. Now, this releases after the PS3 had already, uh, had already come out. So PS3 had launched, I believe, in like November of 2006. This comes out in March of 2007. The PS2 is still just crushing it it's the best-selling console of all time i mean when i worked at gamestop people were coming in and buying ps2s well into 2007 and 2008 so it's one of those things that just never went away i feel like we will unless the switch iterates upon itself i think people will be buying switches far into the lifespan of whatever the next nintendo console is but god of war 2 it was funny because it used to be that a game would come out and in 2003 and four, we would hear rumblings about God of War. We were hearing about this big anticipated game coming from Sony. It was going to be a PlayStation 2 exclusive and it was a new IP called God of War. And everyone was super excited. Game Informer ran gigantic, just gigantic multi-page multi-page articles covering the original God of War in, in, in anticipation of its release. And because Game Informer, I would never trust a Game Informer review, just going to be full disclosure, never trust a Game Informer review because that magazine is owned by GameStop. And it always seemed to be the games that were getting pushed for previews, for pre-orders rather, for the the employees, like the games that we were encouraged to get pre-orders for always had good reviews. The getaway is famous. Yep. Getting like an eight out of 10 in Game Informer and like a four or a five everywhere else. But what Game Informer did really well was they did incredible cover cover stories and incredible previews. And that's why you read that magazine. Their previews were terrific because they're GameStop. So they had to, they knew they were selling the games. They had to go in there and do all that stuff. They were also, we get some pretty impressive exclusives at the time too. I mean, this is pre the internet being more popular than magazines. You'd look forward to that magazine to see what the newest, latest thing was. Yeah. And months in advance. Like I remember Game Informer, God of War is a good example. Assassin's Creed is another good example. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which we talked about recently, is another great example of stuff that Game Informer was able to get exclusive coverage for because they were selling them in GameStops and it was a huge deal and you would get your subscription with the 10% off card or whatever. So it used to be in those days when a new game came out, you weren't sure if it was getting a sequel. Like there was no, it wasn't a sound, it wasn't a sound situation. If the game didn't do well or people didn't like it, it wouldn't get a sequel. But at the end of God of War, the game 
lets you know that there will be a sequel and they'll let you know that Kratos will return. And God of War 2, while it is the middle game of a trilogy, it's the middle story of a trilogy, it's just more of what the original God of War was and then some. Yeah, so, I'd, say, I'd put it, Mike, in the same camp as Uncharted, that Uncharted 1 is a fine game, God of War 1 is a fine game, but the second is probably the best of the trilogies, and this same, I think they just refine things, and I think most people, I don't know if you agree, would say God of War 2 is possibly pound for pound better than God of War 3. Yeah, God of War 2 might be better than God of War 1. It's a little bit... It's a, For me, it's a little bit on like even footing, and I think God of War 3 runs into the same issue that games like Arkham Knight run into, where it's an escalation game. And by the time you're in God of War 3, it's like, how many QTEs can we do? Yeah. How much nonsense can we do? And God of War 3 isn't bad. I think God of War 3 is actually very, very good. Yep. But at the same time, it got too self-indulgent. It's it's there's a reason why 2018's God of War needed to change so much because God of War had gotten to a point where it was like so repetitive and so much the same game after game after game that it definitely needed a change. But God of War 2 was a really nice addition to the series, taking the mechanics that we had grown accustomed to with the first God of War, expanding upon them making them more user-friendly, making the game play better, including bigger battles, a bigger story. Kratos is now essentially the god of war. At the end at the end of the first god of war, he becomes god of war. And after killing Ares, so now he's god of war. He's the god of war and pretty much going off to kill the rest of the gods that he he hates. But mm-hmm. I believe this game starts out with him like being bored. Because he had conquered, he had he had he had gotten to the the top of Olympus, and after killing Ares, he was kind of like, "Oh, I'm God of War now. Okay, there's nothing to do. I guess I have to go kill Titans and gods and all that stuff." But in this game, you're working. I believe you're working with the Blades of Athena. Yep. Right. They're no longer the Blades of Chaos, and they're they're her blades. And uh, because of that, you get some more stuff. So it's it's a it's a really nice second story that at first feels like how are they where are they going to go he kind of achieved his goal but as we've learned through god of war and god of war ragnarok it seems like kratos's work is is never done yeah no you're absolutely right mike and i want to go over again some of your fine points that you made first off i think the term swan song was kind of invented for a game like this where the ps2 as you said was was at this point still flourishing but we were on to the next gen it was already yeah. out yeah. But this game was like that mega release. People were hyped for it. And as you said, you got the announcement in the original game at the end, Kratos will be back. I mean, that's not something you saw common, especially on a, a new series. This was a new IP on the original game, said Kratos will return. Yeah, And here we got the sequel two years later, which is a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, the engine, probably everything was more or less the same. I don't think texture or graphics or anything like that is, is much, much different I mean, the scale, as you said, is bigger in this game. Some of the platforming, the puzzling, the bosses, some of the areas might be more impressive. But as far as the tech, it's pretty similar, right? Yeah, and it kind of has to be, right? Because like the PlayStation 2, like God of War, the original God of War was already kind of pushing it. 
And now when we get to God of War 2, which is looking to be bigger and better, it's kind of hard to do that on the same console that is now starting to look like it's it's really showing its age and in 2007 this isn't like ps5 and ps4 where the ps5 obviously there's a there's a an, an increase in quality but it's not as blatant like the jump from ps2 to ps3 though a smaller jump than ps1 to ps2 the jump from ps2 to ps3 is actually very noticeable especially with some of those some of those earlier games even really showing off stuff like resistance fall of man and whatnot but with god of war it was smart to release this on the PlayStation 2 because you had such a huge install base, which would push this to become one of the best PlayStation 2 games ever. It's probably in that class with Metal Gear Solid 3 and Devil May Cry yep. and the original God of War as as among like Final Fantasy X, as among like the best of the PS2. Well, I think uh, similar to, to our conversation with San Andreas, I don't think San Andreas could have been made on the 360 PS3. That's why GTA 4 kind of scales back the size of things. Same thing with this. I don't think this game, bumping up to HD graphics and textures and detail, I think this game, the life, the the how long it would take to develop, I don't think it would have been realistic. Things were nah. smaller scaled when they got to the PS3 and 360. They had to really fine-tune things. It took a lot longer to, to develop on. We're noticing that now in the, we're not calling it the HD era anymore, but we're in the this era now of 4K and everything just takes 10 times as long to develop on a game like this was churned out quick. And I think there's some really interesting things that are still done with this game that they carried on from the first that I still want to credit the series, Mike. And yeah, third person action games are generally, I think you can usually turn the camera with the right joystick. This game was a fixed camera game. The perspective is fixed. What do you think from a gameplay and, and development perspective? What's the advantages to a fixed camera? Yeah, we see this in Resident Evil, right? When you have a fixed camera, the, the original Resident Evil games, when you have a fixed camera, you can essentially really put a lot of work into the detail of the environments that are around your character, which you can't do when you have a, a moving camera. It makes it way more difficult. So God of War 2 and God of War, really, which kind of are at the beginning of the whole cinematic third-person action game that Sony would go to kind of... Become obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's all they do now, right? Sony used to do so much more, but now it's just pretty much. It's pretty much a whole bunch of these cinematic, story-based action games, whether they're open world or not. It doesn't really matter. And God of War Two, and the original God of War really started that trend, I would think, for Sony, as they're creating games that are much more story-driven, much more dialogue-driven, and they're these incredibly in-depth, almost over-designed games to where it really just comes up to close to being over-designed. But when you look at God of War 2 and the limitations of the PlayStation 2 and giving your character a fixed camera, it allows you to kind of limit those limitations. It allows you to play within what the console could do and really focus on the art of it all. And 
it makes it so much easier to create because you don't need to essentially live in a world in a 3D space. You just kind of create dioramas that you kind of run through as Kratos. So while obviously using a fixed camera is a symptom of a console that's not really that more that powerful anymore, but at the same time, it allows you to be so much more artistic and and allows you to articulate what's going on in the background and how interesting those things can be. It turns these these kind of environments into these giant set pieces yeah. that you can really work with. I think, Mike, also you're, you're not fighting with a camera, which sometimes some games back during that era had some awful uh, camera system that you just you can't see where you are. It makes platforming impossible. Here, the platforming and the gameplay and the combat can be tighter because of the fixed perspective. You're not looking for like a lock-in system to lock onto a character like Ocarina. You're spitting a camera around trying to fight someone. And sometimes in a 3D space, that can be difficult. In this game, the platforming and I think the combat because of the fixed perspective. And again, you're not worrying about a camera at all times. I'm used to the Mario 64 camera, but some people think that it's unplayable. And I get that from people that are just not, this makes it more approachable and accessible, I think. Yeah, you know, it's a function of needing to, it's the function of needing to have a limitation on on that type of thing. And if you're going to try to be mainstream, and I think God of War is trying to be a mainstream game, gamers that don't game a lot or maybe only play like one or two or three games a year don't want to spend half the time trying to figure out how to work the camera and even if the camera is good it's another thing that you add to the control of a game that takes away from playing the game ultimately in the end because if you're fussing fussing around with the camera you're not really playing the game and also Camera controls are obtuse to people who don't really understand it as well, people who don't game as as frequently. So even today, camera controls are still annoying yeah. uh, a lot of the time. So I can understand why you would do that. It makes the game so much more approachable. Yeah. And, and God of War 2, say what you will about its dialogue, its story, its characters, its themes. It's a simple game. It's yeah. bash, 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 bash. Yeah, you can you can definitely muddle it down to it's a button masher. You can get through this game, mm -hmm. I think, by just smashing buttons. But that's sort of yeah. a nice appeal to it. Sometimes you need a game like that that's not overly complex, that's overly difficult. Now, Mike, something you spoke about before is the quick time events. And I still think at this time, there was something charming about it. These grand set pieces where you see Kratos jumping around a boss, you have to push X or circle, or triangle at the right moments, and then Kratos will do something wild and crazy. I still thought it was cool at the time. It wasn't until, I think, years later, where I think with some of the, like Resident Evil, and it was five or six, where QuickTime events became a little... And some of the Spider-Man games around that time, too. I don't know if you remember some of those HD-era Spider-Man games where just the QuickTime events became annoying. You're redoing areas because it was too difficult, the QuickTime events. It, it lost its charm. But I think at this point, there was still something very impressive and i don't know the exact way what's compared to at the time but like it's almost like a choose your own path you almost think you're controlling the experience yeah i think quick time events i got tired of them really quickly quick time events to me ultimately became a became filler for 
the developers to just kind of like it, the game plays itself. Yeah, the game plays itself. Let's show off how cool this looks. And it was like cool in Resident Evil 4 because it was like the first time it happened. And then God of War, they were I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, this works yeah. in this in this thing. But then you see it in, in God of War 2, and it's like, oh, okay. And then Kingdom Hearts 2, and you're like, all right. And then God of War 3, and you're like, oh, and then other games do it. And then oh, we're you're doing more like, of this, huh? And like uh, where normally you would sit back and watch a cutscene sometimes. And you'd be able to like relax and like, all right, let me grab a drink, let me get a snack, let me do this. Oh no, you have to interact with the cutscene if you don't push your your. Oh, I mean that's a totally that's a total other quick time events in a cutscene. Yeah, yeah, total frustration are the kick to, quick time events in the actual cutscene. But but my other point with it is that it's I don't like when the boss is killed in a cutscene. Now I know Metroid Dread does it in one of the fights. I'm gonna give it a pass. Because Metroid Dread is is really good. Was that the? Uh, There's one boss I think that she just blows up. Yeah, it's in a cutscene. It's so cool. Samus oh. is just so cool though. She's the, <laughs> she's the. I'm I'm still in Metroid Prime mode. So for for all the listeners out there, I I was up till one and one thirty a.m. the last two nights. Wait, you were up last night too? Only till one, not one thirty oh, like the night oh, before. Sorry. So I'm I'm I got. One artifact left to get, and I think I'm going to beat the game. There's actually a lot more like artifact digging than I remember. It's a complete t- tangent here, but Samus Aran is the coolest. Yeah, in the whole world. I give Metroid the pass because it's <laughs> once, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing with with games like God of War is that it ended up becoming like every time you beat a yeah. boss, it was in some QTE, and it also it it it's annoying because it's like let me just hit the guy one more time. He's got no health. Right. It became and, almost yeah. certain enemies. You finish yeah. them every single time. That way it becomes, yeah. it comes, becomes yeah. stale. But I yeah. think back in 2007, I don't think we were fully drained by this yet. No, I think because also like we didn't realize how cheap it was. Yeah. Like that was the thing. We weren't aware of how cheap the, the QTE was at the time and how much it was kind of like a design hack. It was totally. kind of like a total... A total kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was ultimately we look back. I look back on it now and go like, oh boy, it's kind of like <laughs> hindsight. I, we, did we all wear Jenkos? Right, in, right, right. Nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, maybe those jeans were real ugly, and our parents were real right. I um, think we were able to overlook game development wasn't as many decades as it is now, and yeah, now we're almost yeah. twenty years looking at this game nearly. But Mike, you said it before. This builds upon the original game that. It's still a third-person, single-player action game. You're still using the main weapon. There are additional new weapons, new items in this game. You, you still have this, the new weapons. You get the Barbarian Hammer, which was cool. Yeah, which is very cool. I like stuff like that. The Spear of Destiny. Yeah. These were some cool changes up to your normal, you know, almost like nunchuck-style weapons you used throughout yeah, the, the first game. Yeah, you're hit him with the blades. The bl- and then they bring the blades back in God of War on PlayStation 4. But that's a really cool moment. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I love when you get these these power-ups. Like power Sidon's Rage was really cool. We kind of just really cool. OP. Yeah, really, really cool. And all these extra special weapons. And it's cool fighting all like the... The crazy Greek stuff, like you yeah. know, you're fighting like the Griffins, you fight some Cyclopses and yep. Cerberus, and uh, I believe you fight some Minotaurs and yep. Harpies. And it, there's fun stuff that you do. Like it's always fun, like fighting people while you're climbing up a wall. And we all mm-hmm. kind of know Greek mythology. It's kind of in 
history. It's yeah. in movies. So it's yeah. fun to now fight some video games. I get pissed off, Mike, when I start playing a Fantastic Four or Ninja Turtle game and they create some generic like robot insect and I'm just fighting. I think like X-Men Legends does a lot of that. It's like I'm just fighting in giant bugs right now. This is cool because you're fighting Greek mythology, like griffins and minotaurs, and I love that. But when you're fighting the giant bugs, are you or are you not in the savage land? <laughs> I am definitely in the savage land, Mike. <laughs> That's all that matters. If it's in the savage land, I can almost see it, but I totally get it. I hate the generic. At least in the X-Men arcade game, they're like human-sized sentinels. Right. Like, oh, that almost makes sense. But almost. I do like that you're fighting in this game. You're You're fighting all these Greek... Greek monsters and Greek myth monsters, because I don't think there were that many games at this time that had Greek myth in it that were really focused on it. And it seems like a lot of stuff ended up being focused on Greek myth in response to God of War and God of War 2 and their success. And then ultimately... Well, you got movies also at that time. You had Jason and the Argonauts, which we all grew up with. You yep. got Clash and Wrath of the Titans, which might yep. have been after this. I actually don't know time frame if that came out before or after 2007, but still Greek mythology has been in our lives, the characters, the worlds it's in our, it's in history basically. Yeah. And we, I learned it in school to a degree. So it's one of those things where Greek myth was always something that was pretty interesting. They have some good monsters. I do like a minotaur. I think a minotaur is a good, awesome. a good monster. And I, I, this game really just kind of does all of it, right? It's got this incredible kind of sense of scope and even though Kratos is like stupid powerful, he's he's dealing with stuff that are bigger and badder than the last game, than the first game. And and even a little bit, they do like the Metroid thing where like Zeus strips him down a little bit. Yeah. He doesn't start completely OP. So you get to kind of build yourself back up. But yes, Kratos does become you're you're destroying hundreds and hundreds of enemies throughout this game. I mean, you're just tearing through everyone, but that you do kind of build yourself up to getting all those relics, the yeah. golden fleece, the wings. It's cool when you can slow down time. Like there's some really yeah. cool relics. Really, really cool things you could do in this game. There's a bunch of like experience that you can get and there's a chest you can find. There's some puzzles you can do. It's always nice when a game like God of War that is so much about fighting and combat and murder, <laughs> really, that they also kind of give you they give you some other stuff where you got to kind of use the brain a little and figure out some degree of yeah puzzles, of puzzles. Are, are, are big in this game i mean it's it's a key part of this game solving puzzles some of them get kind of tricky yeah um, unlocking certain doors i found and it was something big at the time one of my pet peeves with the first game is some of the traversal was slow i feel like they really sped that up here with climbing walls ladders moving around going through the levels you weren't backtracking at slow speeds. I feel like they really listen to people, but we still still have a lot of Mike and you joked around that. I remember our conversation about the first game is orbs. This is orb orb world still with red orbs and gold orbs and health and magic and experience and chests. We are fully here in yeah. orb collecting world. Yeah. I mean, orbs for days, dude, orbs for days. That's, that's it. That's all you do in these games. And we can blame Devil, blame Devil May Cry for it. Yeah, Because the right. orbs are the orbs. I mean, the orbs haven't gone anywhere. I played Bayonetta 3 earlier, this, I guess, late last year, and that's still got orbs. God of War, Ragnarok still has got orbs. So, orbs. Yeah, 
it's here. It's it's collecting, and collecting has always been a part of games. Collectathons. This is not quite DK sixty four territory. It's a little bit more respectful of our time, but it, collecting and, and, and orbs are a huge part of this game for for upgrades and health and, and experience. This game, I think, builds upon the first in so many ways. I'm so impressed playing the, the, the size of some of the bosses. There's a lot more boss fights, which people praise, but the first game, there's more boss fights and I think better boss fights in this game. And Santa Monica's engine here, it's impressive. It's the same engine, but it's impressive what they're able to do with some of these boss fights. Yeah, that's one of the ways when you sequelize a game, that's one of the ways to ultimately make it more interesting is you have to make the boss fights bigger and better than the first game if the or the, the the prior game if the boss fights aren't as good or as interesting as they are in the first game then it's it's Arkham City right Arkham City's boss fights are better than arguably better than better than Arkham Asylums or at least it's got some boss fights in Arkham City that are better than Arkham Asylums because you got to make it more interesting the Mr. Freeze boss fights one of the best boss fights of all time awesome so yeah it's just so important to to just scale them up I always think of Resident Evil as well when I talk about like this kind of era of video games and how Resident Evil 4 kind of took all the boss fights and also had QTs, but it took all the boss fights from Resident Evil's 2 and 3 and just kind of like put them on 11. And then I love in games like God of War and like Resident Evil 4, God of War 2, stuff like that. It's like you'll fight a boss early on. Resident Evil 4, I'll use the example of El Gigante. And then at some point later in the game, you're going to fight two of them. At the same time, what's coming, it's like, oh yeah, that first Cyclops boss was pretty hard, but you've been playing this game for five or six hours now, so now we're throwing two at you and other stuff. Um, is this the game where you get the Icarus wings? Yes. Oh, those are cool. I like those. Awesome. Yeah, great. I, great, I like Great those. upgrade, great item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Mike, you're 100% right. And I think something we don't talk about enough on when we talk about games and we talk about the greatness of the games on this podcast it's, it's two things, and this was credited for, and I'm going to go over a quote that was said about this game. It, the game has a good balance. You know, balance is such a tricky thing with games in in getting, first off, the pacing right, Mike, where through these games, you don't want to have lulls, you don't want the game to feel long, you don't want it to get boring at times. It manages story, gameplay, action really well, but also the balance of the difficulty of this game, it's good for, like we said, it's approachable, it's good for casuals, it's good for hardcore players, and I feel like it good finds, they said, a good middle ground, which is something we don't talk about, scale of the levels, but also balance as well. And I think that's something that we don't credit. Now, we talk about polish sometimes, but also the balance of pacing. Yeah, pacing's so important, right? Often, I will credit games like Uncharted 2, yeah. It's having some of the best pacing of all time. Great but these, these God of War games have excellent pacing, especially the first two. The first two have such good pacing comparatively. Whereas I think games like The Last of Us, have, or especially The Last of Us 2, have, have horrific pacing. But I feel like that's almost done on purpose. Yeah. Because The Last of that. Us 2 is kind of like, you're never supposed to be comfortable. Good luck. And they throw you into the pool. Now... God of War 2 is a game that like has such such great pacing it's it's tight. I mean the God of War games in general have really good pacing. You're never too far from a fight, a puzzle, a platforming section or a boss fight. And they don't and, overstay their welcome either. Nah. This is a conversation Mike that happens more with movies with pacing because you only have someone's attention for so long if they're just watching something. 
I'm going to give you an example, Mike, that you're undoubtedly going to agree with me on that does not have great pacing. That is Skyward Sword, a game that is a good game, but with proper pacing could be a great game. I agree. I think Skyward Sword is 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 like an Ouroboros. It's like that snake that's eating its own tail. It's trying to do too much, too good of, on its own to where it gives you far too much and it's it's, it's exhausting. What I find hilarious is that a game that is literally probably three or four times the size of that in Breath of the Wild has yeah. a game that typically that almost has no pacing at all. It never feels long compared to Skyward no. Sword. Skyward Sword's a 30-hour game. Breath of the Wild's an 80 to 100-hour game. And you're right, it never overstays its welcome. No, I feel because like I feel like with a game like Breath of the Wild, you're constantly finding stuff that is interesting by mistake. So the game doesn't have pacing because there's no there's no real plot. Right. You're no never real, like being told no in a yeah. certain direction. You're never being no. told, go on this path to this. No, you can go wherever the heck you want. There's no sense of urgency, and that's nice. And when you can go wherever the heck you want, you discover things, and you create, and you play within that world. game like God of War 2 doesn't have that luxury. It's not that style of game. A game like God of War 2 needs incredible pacing to keep you engaged, because if you're not stacking your sequences right, it's going to get very monotonous. If you were just doing combat, 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 platforming combat combat it would be yeah. very very boring but the fact that it's platforming combat puzzle there's good boss, balance to it combat none puzzle, of the missions platform yeah take you into an area where you're bored nothing really takes you off the path which happens in games all the time far too frequently far too frequently so that's something that should be praised pacing balance uh, i'd say this is probably one of the most technically impressive games on the ps2 you're not going to find a game that looks or sounds we talked about voice acting last time with the first game, the presentation, the production values, where Kana started. For me, I played this game actually, surprisingly enough, as the two-pack that came out on PS3. So I actually tackled both these games at the same time and missed it on the PS2 and played both one and two and on the, the remaster. And I went one right into the next. They, they never overstayed their welcome. I thought they were beautiful looking games and they might've been a little touched up for the remaster slightly, but the core game... It still looks great today. I think if you can, it's definitely aged better than a PS1 game. I think these games are easily approachable still today, Mike. Oh, I think so. I think they're great. I don't know where you can play them. Probably on the PSN. You can probably get them. But so they, the remastered version was re-released in 2012 as part of God of War Saga for the PS3. That's probably the easiest way to get it now. Yeah, and that or... I imagine the PlayStation Network has it as part of like... I would think so. I'm not sure. Their PS3 classics or whatever. But these games are great. They're great. I mean, they are completely overshadowed by God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok now. It's almost a shame because those games are nothing without these. And that's no. a complete reimagining, you know, yeah, in, in it's terms of... Almost, yeah. It's almost like it's a totally different thing, but they're so much different and great. Yeah. And fantastic. In their they're own fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the David Jaffe original, he game, he's known as the game director. He became the creative director of this game. Gets a lot of credit. This game scored a 93 wow. on Metacritic, Mike, which uh, it's it's in rare air when you hit those, those type of numbers, 93. And in terms of sales, is the 16th best-selling game on the PS2. Now, this is where I want to push back against the PS2 a little bit, Mike, because I know you said this, ga- this system, the console sold gangbusters, and a lot of it, 
was due to the DVD player, but I feel like the software doesn't or didn't sell. I feel like people didn't buy as many games as they do today. This game sold 4.24 million copies, which is great. That's fantastic. Now, this is the end of the PS2 life cycle, but that wouldn't even make the top like 20 on the Switch. That'd be like a 15, 20 million. I mean, I think God of War Ragnarok and the God of War reimagining of, I think, 2018 or 2019, whatever year that came out, I think that already sold over 10, 15 million copies. Yeah. I mean, if God of War 2 was made today by Sony with the budget that these games had and only sold 5 million it'd copies, be it'd be a huge disappointment. It would be lose a, money. It'd be a fa- it would be a failure. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a failure. I think, honestly, I'm going to get heat for this. I think the PS2, the games that sold a lot were mostly your, your big mass media games. It was, it was games like, like Madden. Like yep. that's what those consoles were cool. kind of for. It was your big sports yeah, titles. Your, your Metal Gear Solids, your Devil May Cry's, your God of Wars. They sold two, three, four million copies, but that doesn't impress on a system that sold a hundred. What was it? One hundred forty million units. Yeah, it's something like one hundred and fifty million. The attach uh, rate PS2 is terrible is, at that point. But you're yeah. right. I think the people buying the PS2 were probably similar to people buying a Wii. Yeah, And the Wii didn't do the greatest with software either. I mean, it sold a lot of systems, but it didn't move a ton of software. Yeah. Yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't move nearly as much software as what moves today. I mean, I just saw the Nintendo numbers and I just saw the Nintendo numbers for wherever they're at in the fiscal year 2023. And they're absurd. Oh my God. They're absurd. They're absurd. Mario Kart 8 has sold like 50 something million copies. Breath of the Wild is about to get 30 million copies. It's really crazy. I think the and Pokemon I'll, game that just came out less than, I think six months ago it came out. I think it's close to 20 something million copies. Yeah, it's close to 30. <laughs> it's close to 30 million and that game stinks. <laughs> it's a technical failure. It's, a, it's an absolute, listen, man, I tried, dude. From a gameplay, I don't think you could knock it. I think no, you could just call it a technical. Game Gameplay is great, but it's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's like playing Lego with, uh, it's like you had the Lego kit, but for some reason half the Legos just didn't stick together. Like it's stupid. It just it. I I've tried to play Pokemon Scarlet so many times to the point where the game makes me nauseous. I can't do it. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. No, but I, I did. I, I totally get it, Mike. You know, I, you know, a game has no technical problems, which is crazy. Is to bring us back. God of War Ragnarok has no technical problems. That game's you, real nice. God of War and God of War Ragnarok. And and Sony, listen, tip your hat to them. A lot of their first party games are polished. And Nintendo, we're gonna say as you as you guys listen to this, you're you're playing Tears of the Kingdom. They release massive games, and you don't hear about game breaking bugs, you don't hear about patches to save a frame rate. Most of their games are pretty damn polished. And this to bring it back to God of War 2, this game was really polished. Really good. Really, really good. Really good polish. Great pacing, incredible voice acting, great music, great story. Game's an all-timer. All-timer. Top top PS2 game. One of the top PS2 games. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, I think you said it great. You summed it up very well. I'm not going to tarnish it and say anymore. So that is the 126th episode of the Hall of Fame video game podcast. Look God, at of us. War, God of War 2 joins the ranks as, as it deserves to. And I'm sure, Mike, we'll talk more God of War in the future. Oh, yeah, I imagine we'll talk at least about another three games. Yeah, 
I and think I think I think you can go handheld possibly as well. Oh, Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta. Yeah, mm, I think you probably can. PSP had, PSP was cool, man. It, it wasn't. Was. It didn't. Uh, let me let me just tell you, man. I love the PSP. I I am not one of those people who's like PSP was better than the DS. But uh, I love the PSP. I, I don't. The PSP was terrific. Mike, I think the games are fantastic. I don't think they were giving the type of experiences people want on a handheld. I think these great set pieces and like when they brought yeah. Uncharted yeah. and God of War and these type of games to a handheld, it was impressive technically. But I think people want to play the type of stuff we're playing on the Switch. Probably. I mean, handheld consoles are like the best place for RPGs, like ever. Yeah, RPGs, in- indies, indie games, uh, pick up you and know. play, fun, casual stuff. Not something on that you want to watch on a sixty-inch, sixty-five-inch screen. Nah, definitely not. I mean, you get that on the Switch because the Switch can do that. But sure. all, all in all, yeah, it's 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 sad what happened. Yeah, it's, it, it is sad, but long live the PSP. Somehow. Long live the PSP, Mike. I want to ask you. I've not asked you in a while. You playing any video games? Tell us what you're playing. I don't, I stopped. I completely <laughs> have stopped. So what am I playing? Well, by the time this airs, I'll be playing Tears of the Kingdom, but I haven't played it yet because it's the day before, two days before it comes out. I'm wrapping up Advance Wars, which I think is is great. I love Advance Wars. Wow. Uh, and this good, good re- thing they released that delayed it a year. So it came out right before Tears of the Kingdom. Hey man, I've had it a month. So I'm almost done with it. It's really good. It's really good. It's yeah. it's really, really good. This now, would have been you a big great... with the original. Did you play a lot of the... I, I like the original games on the Game Boy Advance and the DS, but I, I really enjoyed this reboot. I think the reboot's fantastic. And it's just a great time. This game, though, I will say, I, I understand why it was delayed and I, I get it. This would have been a perfect July game. This is a great a great summer game. It's got couch multiplayer. I mean, it's got online multiplayer. I'm excited to like sit down with three friends and just do a big battle because that's going to be so much fun because these games like this, like Fire Emblem doesn't do it. Final Fantasy Tactics kind of did it on the PSP, but that's about it. It's, I can't wait. I definitely want to sit down, build some armies. It, it's like it's it feels like you're playing a board game in like the best. I was way gonna say Stratego or something like that. Yeah, 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 very similar to something like that. And this game would make a terrific board game. I I almost think someone should get the license and do that. And then I I started because Star Wars Day was a week ago. I played a little bit of Jedi Survivor, which I think it's really good, but. Pokemon Scarlet problems. And Matt, I appreciate your input and telling me I've read from people on the internet that if you get rid of this and you get rid of that, and you get rid of this and you get rid of that, it runs really well. I'm like, but I don't have a PS5 and an OLED TV yeah. to not <laughs> run HDR and all that stuff. So the I'm going to wait. The of next gen is that we should, you should not have to make sacrifices. I get that. I still can't believe I have to choose between 60 frames a second and 4K it on a console that costs $500. It should be mandatory that everything should either be 120 and maybe a lower resolution or 4K 60. And that should just be a standard. You get to choose the two. But now we're making all these compromises. And it seems like in the last year, game development, they're, they're releasing games. And I can give you a list of mile long, Last of Us on the PC, Redfall, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Pokemon. There's dozens others. They're releasing games that are not finished, and we're allowing it because we're still buying millions. I don't know how you fix this. 
I don't know if there is a fix, if people just keep buying it. Is this there's, how game development will be for the rest of our life? There's not. I don't think there's a way to fix it unless people in droves stop buying them upon launch, which I don't think will happen. So ultimately, we're just going to have to deal. I think you know which games are going to be good out the gate with no problems. Play those. And then games like Jedi Survivor, wait three months because then it'll be patched and it'll work well. And it's 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 really sad and it's not the developer it's not the it's not the people working in the in in the bullpen no. uh, making these games work it's the it's the giant company telling them they have to release on a certain day to to hit some sort of quarterly goal and because of that they're rushing games out and the games come out and they're not finished and they're not good and the developer loses trust in people People you know, lose Mike, trust in developer. I, it's bad. I boycotted. I didn't buy Jedi Survivor, and this was on my like day one buy list. And now my boycott is not going to hurt them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to change. But I like to think that if people like myself, maybe there's hundreds, maybe there's thousands of people that were turned off by some of the reviews, then maybe they'll listen. Maybe they'll at least patch it. Some games go unpatched, Mike. Some games months later. I know. Are unchanged. You know, Gotham know. Knight got some fixes. I know. Pokemon, like you said, it's still just as bad still today. They bad. took out the game breaking bugs, but the game is still glitchy, slow, the frame rate, the pop in. I, I just hope that, again, you're playing Tears of the Kingdom right now, listeners. So I'm just hoping, I'm pretty sure Nintendo wouldn't do it. But Final Fantasy well, 16, you heard, was done a year ago, Mike, and they've been polishing it for a year. That's what I love to hear. Final Fantasy 16 has to be the best thing that's ever happened. It has to be. It's going to be a technical that's, masterpiece. That's the type of game it has to be. Final Fantasy 16 cannot be mediocre or it will totally fail. I heard it's going to be the most impressive PS5 game ever released. It it has to be. It has to be. See, so because Final Fantasy as a series has been so divisive for so long. Now, granted, Final Fantasy has kind of always been divisive. Going back to Final Fantasy Seven, it's yeah, been no, no one likes and dislikes the same games. No, no, no one. And even going back to Seven, a game that is universally loved and appreciated by by people who play video games, even then, at that period, Final Fantasy Seven was well. It's not like all the other ones. It's weird. It's not Final Fantasy anymore. So we've had that argument for a very, very long time. But as a series, they I like your not I, li I like your internet voice. But continue, yeah, hey guys. No, what are you yes, doing? <laughs> yeah, I hate this game. This game is garbage why would you even play it so but if we jump forward right final fantasy 13 is about a 50 50 people hate it but no one hates the graphics it. graphics look good but like otherwise on a gameplay perspective it's like eh who knows who knows who likes this some people do some people don't it's it is it is what it is final fantasy 12 same thing final fantasy 15 same thing final fantasy 15 releases with a whole bunch of problems that they have to yeah. patch in and patch out that's a big huge problem and i love final fantasy 15 i'm one of the people that like that game but 16 with the team they have with where they're going with the series has to be so incredibly good that it can't even be a question it has to completely ensure the audience that the development team on Final Fantasy 16 made all the right decisions. Yeah, it will. I mean, 7 Remake, which came out after 15, I played that game a few months after launch, but that game was was great. Audio, visual, visual was impressive across the board. The production value is top-notch. 
I think this game is going to even blow that out of the water. I think 16 is going to shock people. I think it's going to sell PS5s. I, I could. It's finally it could. a reason, I feel like, to buy a PS5. Yeah, and what's going to happen is I'm going to buy Final Fantasy 16 in June. I'm going to play the heck out of it. I'm going to beat it. And then in August, they're going to say, or September, they're going to talk about a PS5 Pro. You know it. I'm it's not. Gonna, it's going to. No, you're right. It, we you know feel it. like PS5 and Xbox Series X are these new consoles, but they've had years now to make the parts more efficient, better, and what's going to happen. And they'll hit those target marks that they say they can't hit on these games. And we're all going to have to buy new systems again. You throw it out the window. <laughs> and then Final Fantasy VII Part Two, Final Fantasy VII, what is it? Remake, Reborn, or whatever. But the thing is, out. Mike, if you had a PS4 Pro, you reap benefits from a lot of games that ran better, looked better last generation. And I don't see why they wouldn't do it again. They can sell more consoles. They can impress more, people's, more people out there. I, I just don't see why they wouldn't do that same like cross like in between generation leap yeah they're definitely doing it yeah. plain and simple it's gonna happen or they'll just do like a, a more efficient smaller mini version first but maybe. i think maybe maybe yeah. maybe. I, maybe but i I think we're gonna see a ps5 pro very soon yeah but that is uh, that is cool that that's what you've been playing mike yeah that man is, what uh, about you let stuff. me so, know tell me about the so metroid metroid prime is i remember it being a great game and it's still a great game. It's better than I even imagined in my mind playing it on the GameCube and also the Wii. And on the Switch, it is now one of the best games on the Switch. <laughs> but by all standards, I mean, this game is one of the greatest games all ever made. Visually, it's awesome. I'd say one or two, I'm complaining. Some of the computer enemies are a little easy by 2023 standards. They kind of are easy to pin down once you know their patterns, their movements. But this game is so good. The exploration, the visuals, the audio, the ambiance. They got Metroid. It might be better than Metroid ever was. Like they redefined what Metroid is. And I love Dread. And I love Super Metroid. And I love all of these games are so good. But this one now, it's whatever I, it's, it's recency bias in here. Every Metroid I play is the best one after I finish it. Yeah. And this game is so good in widescreen HD like it's never been before. So I can't recommend this game enough if you like first-person shooters, if you like adventure games, if you like exploration. But it's longer than I remember because of all the backtracking and the map, traveling through the map. I'm probably close to 20 hours in, which I don't remember this game being that long. But you, you do find yourself lost at times. But that that's kind of the charm of the game. And the save points are hard to come by. But again, that's part of Metroid is just finding your way around, finding things, finding secrets. I only have like 170 missiles out of like two, 300, but I'm definitely not going through it all, Mike, to get every single one. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of Metroid. Yeah. You kind of play it the way you want to play it. So I, I love that. I love that you're still playing Metroid Prime. That game rules. I just got like the X-ray. I got like the flamethrower. I think I have, I got the silver suit. I forgot what it's called after the gravity suit with the last suit is called. Phazon? Yeah, I think you're right. It's the phase on all the blue oh, so stuff. Oh, so you're you're yeah, you're pretty I'm, much I'm, done. I'm basically end game. Yeah, you gotta you gotta fight you gotta fight the hardest boss though ever, dude. Metroid Prime is not easy. I I, I don't remember. It's been so long. It's like a big I, spider. I have one artifact left to get, so I probably have 30 minutes to like an hour left, and it was just too late last night. So well, yeah, it was one in the morning. It so wasn't be, it wasn't last night anymore, Matt. It was this morning. <laughs> you're right. It was already morning. So I'll be fresh as a daisy. 
tonight when I finish it, and then I'll be ready for the tears of the kingdom. Guys, you're listening to this. You've already played it. How good is the game? Yeah. Cheer, cheer, into, cheer into the speakers. I think it's great. I just imagine if it's there's, there's imagine, dungeons, Mike. Yeah, they, they put dungeons in it. I'm nice. fine with it. I'm, I'm cool good. with it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think I think it's gonna be a if it's like just Breath of the Wild with dungeons, I think that's a huge plus for a lot of people. It's Mother's Day weekend, so obviously they put Zelda out for all the mothers out there. Yeah, all the moms. <laughs> all that's the, what they want. All the moms playing Tears of the Kingdom. Mike, that's all I got. You got anything else for us this week? No, nah, man, I'm good. Cool. So, guys, thanks as always. When I want to first thank you, Mike, where can people out there find you? Yeah, you can find me at the normal places. You can find me here on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. You can find me at my band, Bad Mary. Search us out at badmary.com or at Bad Mary Band all over the internet. You can find me at my other podcast, the Batman Tasticast. Search us out at Batman Tasticast. And then last but not least, you can find me with LI Retro, Long Island Retro Gaming, LI Long Island Retro Gaming, and LI Retro out there on the social medias. Awesome stuff. Please check the Batman podcast that he does, the Batman Beyond. It's awesome. Realizing some of the greatest, really Batman content out there. So it's the best, best it's, show it's, ever. It's really good. It's so really good. You guys remind us all the time. So yeah, check out all the stuff Mike's involved with. Some really cool stuff. Check out our back catalog, which I said earlier. We're 126 episodes in now. So we're, not that we're running out of Hall of Fame games to talk about, because there's a lot of really good video games out there. But we're probably soon going to have to do some remasters of our own, Mike. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, we need to remaster soon. some of our own episodes. Soon. When we do 15 minutes on Pokemon Red and Blue, that just doesn't do it justice. No, nah, we should go back to those like first like 20 or 30 episodes and just turn those into 60 episodes. Totally. See, I've already, I've already like we increased, our our content. Content. <laughs> increased our content by, 100, by, by 50%. Guys, check out the Instagram page. Check out our, shoot us an email. That's always helpful as well. Leave us a review because we love that. And play Tears of the Kingdom, which you're already, right. you already have a hundred hours into it. So who do oh. I have to tell? That kingdom's crying, baby. <laughs> Mike, thank you. See you guys next time. Later. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.